Hello and welcome to Health Affairs This Week. I'm Jessica Bylander. And I'm Leslie Erdelak. Today we're taking a break from the latest news to highlight what's inside the February issue of the journal, which is a thematic issue focused on the topic of racism and health. Racism is a fundamental cause of health disparities for racial and ethnic minority groups, and yet racism, especially structural racism, remains understudied in healthcare research. We know this topic is extremely important for some. It's a matter of life and death. In the past years, we've seen the country increasingly grapple with and confront the topic of racism. Um, But we've also seen a resistance to discussing the topic and particularly to naming racism as a key driver of healthcare disparities. So with all that in mind, the February issue is entirely focused on the connections between racism and health. And the papers cover topics such as how racism damages health, measuring the health impacts of structural racism, and racial bias in digital health. So we'll dig into some of the papers later in this episode. And Jess, you were actually the lead editor on this issue, which means you've watched it come together and you've been part of the publishing process at just about every step. So take us through some of it. Um, you know, what was it like working on this issue? Yeah, as we often say, a lot goes into putting together a theme issue. And that was particularly true in this case where we we wanted to break the mold a bit. And also we recognized, you know, the importance of this topic and of getting it right. Um, So we worked with two really great theme advisors, Rachel Hardiman of the University of Minnesota and Jose Figueroa of Harvard University. We had a large virtual planning meeting, you know, still in the thick of COVID with some of the leading experts on this topic. And um, I have to say, we received 322 abstract submissions to our request for abstracts, which I'm pretty sure is a near record amount. And so many interesting abstracts coming through is definitely difficult to choose. Um, And of course, big endeavors like this need support. And we thank the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the California Wellness Foundation, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, the Episcopal Health Foundation, and the New York State Health Foundation for their financial support. Yeah. So the the response to the call for abstracts was really just... um, was overwhelming. And, you know, as a seasoned editor at Health Affairs, Jess, in your time here, I know you've worked on thematic issues and special content. We've worked on some together. But what would you say is different about the February issue? Yeah, I think, I mean, partly it's the intentionality. You know, we wanted to make sure we um, we featured the voices of the communities impacted by racism. So we made that incredibly explicit in our request for abstracts. And in talking about the issue, we wanted to hear from people with lived experiences, including non-academic community members. We wanted to especially seek authors from historically Black colleges and universities, Hispanic-serving institutions, tribal colleges and universities, and Asian American and Pacific Islander-serving institutions. So we did some kind of targeted, I guess, marketing and outreach to to those um, in those areas to make sure we got authors and submitters from, from the areas that were most impacted by this topic. And then um, we also just wanted to think creatively about the issue. Um, you'll see our traditional content like research papers and commentaries, um, but we also, you know, wanted to include novel elements um, in the areas of art, poetry, and multimedia. Um, 
So you will see that. I think we've definitely achieved those aims on many fronts. Um, I hope readers will check out the original poem published in the issue called Identity. Um, and we also have a really exciting video interview that was produced featuring Harriet Washington, the author of Medical Apartheid. And then I just say personally, I was really impressed by the intentionality behind a lot of the business decisions surrounding the theme issue, including working with production companies and artists from communities with lived experience of racism. And, you know, we, we think this is just a model for future innovation at the journal. So, Leslie, you handled some really interesting papers in the issue. Can you tell us more about those? Sure. So I'm going to highlight three papers uh, that came out this month. The first is a commentary by Paula Braveman and co-authors at the University of California, San Francisco. So she's also the director of the university's Center on Social Disparities in Health. And Dr. Braveman and her colleagues wrote this piece describing what we know about systemic and structural racism and how we define it. So one of the points that gets emphasized here is that when most people think about racism, they might immediately think about racial slurs or hate crimes or other types of sort of those overt racist behaviors when really there are other less obvious forms of racism that are even more destructive. And, um, you know, across this issue, throughout this issue, um, we have papers that talk about how systemic forms of racism can impact health. And this paper is no exception. It offers several examples, but one sort of pathway or mechanism that I'll bring up because it relates to another paper in the issue is around disenfranchising people, you know, depriving them of the right to vote or diminishing the weight of their votes. And, you know, we we both know voter suppression is a major social issue right now in the U.S., of course, um, because at the root of it, it deprives people of political power. Right. And it's harder to get elected representatives to act on your behalf to push for things like clean water, um, schools that have enough resources and uh, affordable housing and among many other issues. So there's a paper in this issue by Dr. Tyson Brown and Patricia Homan, who are both sociologists and they studied racially targeted voter suppression. So this includes laws that restrict voting rights for people convicted of a felony. And this type of disenfranchisement disproportionately limits voting rights for Black Americans. And in this study, the researchers, and I think this is really important, they were actually able to show that higher levels of disproportionate Black disenfranchisement were associated with worse mental and physical health among Black older adults. And so they're arguing that this measures a really important indicator of structural racism because it quantifies the extent to which certain groups are being disproportionately excluded from the political process. And lastly, just one more paper in this issue that I wanted to talk about by Stella Yee and colleagues that offers examples of structural racism in the, the health context for Asian Americans. And Asian Americans have been excluded or misrepresented in the health research for decades. And this paper sort of talks about how three different types of racial stereotypes are sort of continuing to fuel the perception that Asian Americans don't experience health disparities or that all 
Asian subpopulations are somehow the same, you know, in terms of their experiences, which affects the types of social and health resources that may be available to them. So these papers collectively, I think, really do offer um, sort of a clearer discussion and, and get at how structural racism is embedded in so many of the systems around us. Um, but Jess, you also handled several papers for this issue. So what were some of the things that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, all the papers, especially some of the ones you mentioned already, were incredibly interesting. Um, but um, in the among the papers I handled, as well as others, I would definitely encourage readers to check out Rachel Hardiman's paper on how structural racism is measured, because that really is a question underlying how we can get more of this really important work published. So last year, the University of Minnesota was funded to establish the Center for Anti-Racism Research for Health Equity, which is dedicated to addressing and uprooting structural racism's impact on health and healthcare. And Hardiman is the founding director. So she's well positioned to, to talk on this topic. And in her paper, she highlights different method, methodological approaches to measuring structural racism and its impact on health in a valid way. Um, for instance, she does a deep dive on how to use the right measure of geography when examining how local policies impact health. And she also highlights important and sometimes underused data sources for studying this question. Um, I would also point readers to a paper by Michael Sun and colleagues about how racism and bias can be communicated in electronic medical records. So Sun and colleagues found that healthcare providers use negative descriptors of patients more often for black patients compared to white patients in the electronic medical record, which is um, very concerning, <laughs> to say the least, because it sort of, you know, gets at, you know, how we describe patients and think of them kind of impacts how we treat them. And finally, I, I would encourage readers to check out the interactive story map that we're featuring online. And this was created by Jan Eberth and colleagues. It's tied to a paper in the print issue. And it visually shows in a really engaging way how minoritized groups have worse access to healthcare services on many fronts. That's great. And uh, thanks, Jess, for sharing those highlights. Um, you know, I, I hope everyone has a chance to check out the issue. We'll put a link in the show notes. And I think I'll just say, in closing, I was thinking about what you said earlier about, um, you know, the intentionality um, that went into this issue. And, you know, I've, racism is just, it's an uncomfortable subject for a lot of people in academia. And, you know, academic publishing itself is, you know, part of the problem in that a lot of journals, including health affairs, have neglected, um, you know, as you said, to name racism and publish research about how racism harms health. And so the decision to publish an issue like this requires a lot of things, um, you know, a certain amount of introspection and, um, you know, a willingness to um, kind of lean into the uncomfortable and sort of confront um, our role in diminishing, um, you know, either consciously or not, the work around how racism harms health. So I just hope this issue provides, um, you know, a meaningful and much needed contribution to the field of research on racial health disparities. And we are just so grateful for all of the researchers 
who were part of it. Um, thank you for your leadership, Jess. Thanks to you. Um, kudos. And uh, yeah, thanks for the great conversation today. Thank you, Leslie. And, and I just completely agree with everything you've just said. And with that, we'll wrap up the episode. Thanks again to our listeners for joining us. If you like this episode, tell a friend and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, Leslie. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.